0: Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change. And the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. God's blessings are like a river. They fill the city of God with joy. That city is the holy place where the Most High God lives. God dwells.
1: Good morning. Great to see everybody. Uh, We are so glad that you guys are here. I wanna wish a happy Mother's Day to all of the moms who are with us today in this location or maybe you're joining us at one of our campuses or uh, watching online. We are glad all of you are here, especially the moms. Even if you're not a mom, uh, maybe you're here with your mom or uh, maybe you didn't even know it was Mother's Day today, but you came to church and uh, we're glad that you guys are here. We all had a mom, right? That's one thing we all have in common. And so we're excited to worship together with you. My name is Josh Surratt, I serve as a lead pastor here, and this is my wife, Lisa, she's the mama of our home, and uh, we're glad to have her with us too, today. Putting her to work on Mother's Day, so. um, But you know, I I think about uh, my mom, and I honor my mom, she's here today as well. Uh, She's kind of the mama of, of the house here at Seacoast for 29 years. Uh, She helped launch the church and now continues to serve alongside of my dad. And uh, my mom, I don't know about you, but when I think about my mom, I think about the word hero. Uh, And for a lot of different reasons. I mean, there's the reasons that all of us uh, love our moms and think of them as heroes, but my mom legitimately had some some superhero powers. Like, I'm serious, I think she did have, like her saliva was magic, it was amazing. I don't (laughs) know if your mom was like that, but she could kiss a a boo-boo and make it better. And dads, it just doesn't work the same for us. I've tried it. They're like, dude, that's weird, dad. I just need, I need, you to, I need a Band-Aid. But moms, they can step into that moment. And my mom's saliva also would turn into cleaning solution as well. I mean, she would, she'd lick her thumb and kinda get some stuff, like a special on days like Mother's Day. You gotta look good. It's just amazing. And my mom's superhero powers did not always uh, help me. There would be moments where I would be needing a pick-me-up, you know, right before dinner or whatever. I'd go into the pantry, and I'd I'd be going for a cookie. And my mom could be on the other side of the house. She could be another zip code, for all I knew. And it was like, she just had this superhero sense. And she'd be like, Josh, what are you into? Like, how did you do that? Like, where are you? you They got eyes in the back of their head. And, of course, there were always meals on the table, and, and the laundry was always clean and folded, and, and my mom had like this alarm clock. She, she also doubled, she was a mom and an alarm clock. She'd wake me up anytime that I asked her to. My mom uh, is a hero, she's just amazing. I don't know if anybody else have a mom like that? Anybody connect to, to that? Yeah, a lot of great moms. We honor the mamas in the house today.
2: Well, I know I definitely have um, some great moms in my life, and gosh, just to watch them for years, just day in and day out, honor the Lord with their lives and um, just godly women who um, have just been such an influence in my life. And, you know, but I know them well, and um, I, I don't think that they necessarily feel like heroes. I know as a mom, I, I don't. I, I know that, you know, I have a brand new perspective, right? Whenever um, you have kids, suddenly you realize, like, whoa, my mom did so much for me. I mean, it's incredible how many sacrifices and late nights and um, all of the things that they take care of for you. And so, um, you know, but, but we don't necessarily feel like heroes. I know I don't wake up in the morning looking for my cape to put on for the day.
1: That's odd, I kind of do that most mornings, you know, look, feel like a hero.
2: This is not Father's Day. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I'll let you take it from here. <coughs>
2: Well, we're in a series um, that we have been in all year. We're reading the Bible together. Um, and you know, right now, this week, we are we're gonna tackle one of my very favorite stories of all time, and it's the story of Gideon. And Gideon was in the middle of doing an ordinary and mundane task when God showed up and asked him to be part of an extraordinary miracle. You know, as moms, there's never a shortage, right, of ordinary tasks that we've got to accomplish from week to week. Whether it's the mountain of laundry, the carpool, uh, can't forget the check for the field trip, or you know, maybe you're dealing with some challenges with teens, um, or maybe, maybe you're getting ready to send a kid off to college. There's just so many different things um, that we are, as we walk through this season called motherhood, that we are constantly doing all the things. But you know, somehow in the midst of it all, God can show up. He can show up and use each one of us in the midst of just an ordinary day. God was in search of a hero, and he used an unlikely candidate, one that felt just a little overwhelmed, maybe a little inadequate, maybe a little underqualified for the job that God had called him to do. So if you're here today, maybe uh, you feel the same way. Maybe you feel a little overwhelmed with what's going on in your life. I just wanna encourage you, I really believe that if we'll just press in and learn some things from this from this story of Gideon, I really believe that he, he will encourage you.
1: Yeah, so we're just gonna have a conversation together and just look at this story together. And, and again, like Lisa said, whether you're a mom or not, uh, if, if you feel at times overwhelmed or unqualified, I think God's got an incredible word for us. We're gonna learn what can we learn about heroes, because I believe God is still in search of of heroes, if you will, of mighty warriors who will step up uh, for their families and step up for uh, the, the people around them. What, what can we learn about heroes from Gideon? A little bit of background. The first verse on Yaliah and Sheet, if you have your Bible, it's Judges chapter six is where we're gonna be spending most of our time today. And If you don't have a Bible with you, you've got an outline sheet that you got when you came in or we'll have the scriptures up on a screen. But a little background for, for the culture that was there when we meet Gideon. And, and Judges six, verse one, it says, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the curtain opens on, on this scene where we're getting ready to meet Gideon, and here's, here's the background. Remember the 400 years of slavery? That's in the that's in the rearview mirror. That's, that's a thing of the past. The 40 years wandering in the wilderness, God's people trying to find the promised land, trying to get to this place that God had promised them. That's in the past. They've entered into the land. They've now defeated through the leadership of Joshua, they've defeated over 30 different nations and they've literally begun to occupy this land that at one time it was just a dream. The land that flows with milk and honey. Now they're here, they've arrived. This would be the scene, the the part of the story that, that we would think it would read something like, and they moved into the land and they lived happily ever after. But that's not the story that they didn't live happily ever after. In fact, they did evil in the Lord's sight. How? They've got everything that they've been waiting for. The promise has finally arrived, yet they did evil. The reason why is because they they didn't know God. They didn't know God. See, that's the first thing that we can learn about heroes. It didn't happen for Gideon's generation, but the first thing that we can do is we've got to be willing to teach our kids to know the real hero. Teach our kids to know the real hero.
2: That's right, Judges 2.10 says, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things He had done for Israel. So this generation did not know God. Their parents, their grandparents, they knew God and trusted Him because of the experiences that have happened in their lives. If you can imagine being held in captivity as a slave, Their their previous ancestors were also just held in captivity as slaves, forced to work day in and day out for Pharaoh. But God heard their prayers and he rescued them. And as Pharaoh is chasing them, as they're escaping Egypt, God literally parted a Red Sea so they could just walk across easy peasy on dry land. they had seen the hand of God move in their own lives. They knew God. They were acquainted and well aware of his power and his faithfulness. But now, now this next generation has entered the promised land. The land that's flowing with milk and honey. And they seem to have all they need. So much that they, they don't acknowledge their need for God. And of course, they fail to teach their kids who God is. And I wonder if maybe some of us can relate. I know that I can. You know, we live in in the U.S., and many across the world would say, we live in the land that's flowing with milk and honey, right? We have all the comforts and all the things that we need. And sometimes when we're living in a land of abundance and prosperity and we have um, just this favor of God, we maybe get a little too comfortable. Maybe we're not as desperate for God as as we were when we were walking through hard seasons or didn't have the things that we needed. And sometimes when we lose that desperation for God, it becomes a little challenging to remember to carve out the time from the soccer practices and the school and all of the things, buying for your time. It's hard to take the time to really teach your kids who God is. To let your kids in on how God is moving and the hard things in life. Mamas, I'm not talking about the politically correct version of God, right? The one that our society tries to morph and contort and and, and twist and, and kind of make God into something that suits us. I'm talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm talking about the one that built the heavens and the earth. and and parted the Red Sea, and raised Lazarus from the dead, and he conquered death on a cross. He's still the same God today with all the same power and faithfulness. Awesome. Moms, we have to be sure that we carve out the time from our busy schedules to teach our kids who that God is.
1: It's awesome, and I know it's hard, but mom, Lisa, you're not my mom, you're my wife, but you do a great job uh, with that. You know, teaching the kids, it's not just about behavior modification. Like, oh, we're gonna teach them obedience, that's great. You need to do that. But teaching them, connecting that to, to their need for Jesus when they fail and to our need for Jesus when we fail. Yeah. Teaching a generation to know God. And that that's, didn't happen in Gideon's story. In fact, you've got a generation that did evil in the Lord's sight. And so they find themselves in this cycle. You know, if you look through the Bible and a lot of us are reading through it together, as we said, and you'll notice it's like one generation served God and then the next generation didn't and then the next generation did. And it's a cycle of following God and then growing distant from him. And, and they're in this season where they're not acknowledging him. And so God uh, hands them over to the Midianites. He, he allows them to experience some pain. The Midianites are some pretty rough people. Uh, that basically they're terrorists who, who terrorize these people, who terrorize the Israelites. For seven years, they're in pain. Basically, God says, you know what, kids? This is gonna hurt me more than it's gonna hurt you, but you're gonna need to experience some pain. Essentially, moms, he put the kids to bed without dinner. Uh, he allowed them to experience some pain so that they would come to their senses and they would reach out and cry out to God. And, and verse six, they do, finally. It says, "Israelite," so, so Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites, and then the Israelites cried out to the Lord, God, help us, help us. I wonder how long it took. They knew they needed to be saved. They knew they needed God to intervene, but they had no idea what it was gonna look like. And that's the second point, if you're following along on your outline sheet, is that the heroes are often discovered in the mundane. Heroes are often discovered in the mundane. So they cry out to God. And and, and I'm sure of all of their preconceived ideas of where God's gonna show up and how he's gonna come through for them, what actually happens had to be a shock. Look what happens. Judges 6, 11 through 12. says, Then an angel of the Lord came and sat beneath a great tree at Ophrah. Gideon, who's the son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So he's, he's doing a mundane task here. He's threshing wheat. He's hiding. And that's when an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, in this... Great big booming voice, mighty hero. It's kind of what I envision you saying to me every time I get home from work, I'm gonna come in. My hero. I'll work on that. Okay, work on that babe. So so mighty hero, God is with you. See, Israel knows they need a hero, but, but they didn't realize that heroes are often discovered in the mundane. Gideon's got some self-image issues. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, but Gideon, literally, where we find him is threshing wheat. Has anybody ever threshed wheat before? I wonder if anybody's ever done that. Uh, not many hands going up here. I see Eric's hand went up, because we did that together in Israel. I've actually threshed wheat before, and it's a pretty amazing process. What it is is you've got these grains of wheat, and the threshing process is where you're trying to get the edible part, the meaty part of the grain, separated from the parts that you can't eat. They call it the, uh, the chaff, the part that needs to be... Uh, gotten rid of. And so what would typically happen is you've got this threshing floor, they would take this whole harvest of wheat out into this dry field and this threshing floor and they would take these big heavy slabs of, of steel and they'd put them on top of a, or they'd harness them to the backs of a, an ox or a couple of oxen. And they would, um, they, they would literally walk through this field and the, the steel slab would, would separate the, the, the wheat and it would thresh the wheat. And that sounds like a, not, not a super tech-savvy process for us, but for them, it was very efficient. And it was a way to do that in a way that w- w- would save them time. Well, here's the problem. The Midianites, remember? These, these people, they're terrorizing. They're, they're causing them to starve. They're stealing their food. And so Gideon can't take the harvest out into this threshing floor. He's got to take it into a wine press, which is a real humid, damp environment. You can't get an ox in a wine press. And so he's literally doing it by hand. He's got these, probably these tools, these iron tools that he's, threshing this wheat by hand and separating the good from the bad. Talk about a tedious, mundane process. You know, Gideon gets a bad rap you know, because he's hiding in a wine press. All of Israel was hiding. So, so this is something he's doing to, to provide for his family. He's found a way to, to, to provide food for his family to keep them away from the dangers of the, the people around them. And, and it's a pretty noble place. It's a pretty mundane place. It's a pretty ordinary place. And it also happens to be the place where God shows up in, in the form of an angel, pretty incredible, incredible story that God shows up in the ordinary, mundane moments.
2: Think about cleaning baseboards. How many of you like love to clean baseboards? Anybody? Any takers? Because I mean, I got a few baseboards you could clean, or you know, the the mountain of laundry that you have to do every week. I know in my house. Um, you know, we have, we have a house full. So um, we, we have a, literally a mountain of laundry that somehow I, how I've got to get through. And we think about all of these ordinary tasks that we have to do, the cleaning, the cooking, the meal planning, all of the things. You know, but it's in those moments that we can also recognize like, gosh, I have to do these things. But there's blessing hidden in that. If you have a mountain of laundry to fold, it means you have a house full of kids. Or if you have baseboards to clean, it means you have a house to live in. Or weeds to pull, you have a yard for, for, you to, for your kids to play in. And dishes to do, it means you have food to eat. And you know, there's so many hidden blessings. Sometimes we get so focused on, oh, I got one more thing to do. But God has blessed us tremendously. But it's oftentimes in those ordinary moments that God shows up. And you know, I'm not sure that God would actually use Gideon. I don't think he would have saw him fit to rescue a nation unless he was faithful and willing to do the small things to care for his family. Those ordinary and mundane tasks that he was, just, was required to be faithful in. God wouldn't choose him to do, to to be the one to rescue Israel. Moms, don't ever discount what you do on a day-to-day basis to know that your God sees you and He cares for you, that He notices you and He wants to use you.
1: That's awesome, I love that on Mother's Day that we can see that heroes are often discovered in the mundane and I know a lot of the stuff that you do as moms, you may feel overlooked, you may feel like nobody appreciates what you do, but know that God sees you in those moments. And that was the kind of moment that he intervened and rescued Israel. And so heroes are often discovered in the mundane. Uh, another thought for us as we look at this story is even heroes have questions. Even heroes have questions. So remember, the angel showed up in the middle of this mundane moment and said, mighty mighty hero, God is with you. And here's how Gideon replies. He says, uh, sir, if, if the Lord is with us, Why has all this happened to us? Are you not aware that we've been being tortured and terrorized for seven years by the Midianites? And you're gonna come and tell me the Lord is with me? Well, why has all this happened to us? And where are all those miracles that our ancestors told us about? You know, didn't they say that the Lord brought us up out of Egypt and, you know, look around now. Where is he now? Now the Lord's abandoned us and he's handed us over to the Midianites. See, Gideon's got some questions. If God is with me, why am I going through what I'm going through? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever wondered why you're going through what you're going through? You know, I think even on Mother's Day weekend, sometimes it's even more evident of the tension, some of the questions that some of us might have. You go, yeah, I know it's, Everybody seems happy and dressed up for Mother's Day, but maybe, maybe Mother's Day's hard for you. Could be that you've lost a mom recently, and, and, and Mother's Day is, is just a difficult, difficult moment for you. I know for me growing up, my dad lost his mom at a really young age, and Mother's Day always was kind of this tension. There was, there was excitement, and we celebrated, and we honored mom, but there was a heaviness with it as well. Dad often would reflect, and sometimes he'd write, blog posts or whatever, just about, you know, the sadness that he felt that his mom wasn't able to experience some of the things that that he's been able to experience as a grandparent. You know, maybe for you, Mother's Day is a challenge because of challenges that you've had and even becoming a mother yourself. I know in our family, we really had to navigate these and it was hard. Uh, My sister Jenny struggled with miscarriage after miscarriage and she had three ectopic pregnancies and ultimately, the doctors had to tell her, we, we don't think this is gonna happen for you. And Jenny, of all of uh, the kids, was born with just the heart of a mom and had wanted nothing more than to be a mom. Yet it wasn't happening for her. And, and all the while, we're getting pregnant, and my siblings are getting pregnant, and there's just this, this tension in, in the family. And not that we, we, we loved each other, but we, we were trying to balance the, the joy of motherhood with the sadness of just watching somebody... Struggle. And you may be there today, you may have questions today. And first of all, I want you to know that in this church, we, we recognize you and we notice you and we want you to know that you're, you're validated. Wherever you are, whatever the struggle might be, our questions are okay. Gideon had questions and there, his questions were okay, but you know what was wrong? The conclusions that he came to. He had questions and that was fine, but he, he had the wrong conclusions. See, he thought that because his circumstances weren't going the way that that he would have preferred and they were going through a difficult time, he thought that that meant that God had abandoned them. When in all actuality, he hadn't abandoned them at all. In Israel's case, they were in a place of discipline. They had turned their backs on God. They were were doing evil in his sight and and God was very present in their circumstances. In fact, he allowed them so that they would turn their backs to him. Sometimes that's the case in our lives. Other times, we may feel like God is distant. We'll be going through a difficult time but, and we wanna say, God, why have you abandoned me? What I can promise you is he's never abandoned you because through Jesus, Jesus promised us he would never leave us or forsake us and he is the true hero and he's not abandoned us. So your questions are okay, but, but, but your conclusions are probably skewed. You know, Maybe you're just a short season away from a breakthrough. I think about that as Gideon's going, what about all these miracles? Where's God in, I don't see any of that happening right now. I wonder if the angel knowing what was getting ready to happen is like, just you wait. There's a miracle coming right around the corner that you have no idea is getting ready to happen. So even heroes have questions. One last thought for us as we look at what we can learn about heroes on Mother's Day is that a hero's weakness is often the key to unlock God's power. A hero's weakness is often the key to unlocking God's power. Look at this next verse. The Lord answers him, he says, turned to him and said, go with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you, go with the strength that you have. Gideon's like, what strength are you talking about? I don't have any strength. Like, that, that sounds wonderful. Go with the strength that you have, but I don't feel very strong right now. And I don't know if anybody else has any weaknesses. Anybody admit to have a few Weaknesses, I've got a bunch of them. And sometimes we're so painfully aware of our weaknesses that that we allow them to become a distraction for us in doing what God has called us to do. I was taking my daughter, Greta Kate, she's seven years old. I took her and her her cousin to to soccer practice and I was picking them up from practice and Greta Kate in the backseat of the car turns over to her seven-year-old cousin, Everly, and she says, I don't know if you knew this or not, but my daddy can beat up Uncle Ben. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. I'm like, what a petty conversation. I want more, I want to hear more. It's what, what, what. <laughs> Unpack that a little bit, babe. Uh, and she said, no, really. My daddy is really, really strong. In fact, the parts of him that look like they're fat are actually muscle. <laughs> oh, that's what you meant. Talk about like deflating your ego right there in that moment, I'm like, oh. You know, I look in the mirror and I see the flaws. I know the weaknesses. I know the challenges. But, but you know what the reality is? That our weaknesses are the perfect, perfect environment for God to show up. God wants to use our weaknesses. And, and so, so he tells him, go on the strength that you have. And Gideon's got objections. You know, most heroes do. Most of us who God wants to use as, as a mighty warrior, as a hero for our family, for our community, most of us have objections. Here we're Gideon's. He says, but Lord, how how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and and I'm the least in my entire family. I I know your GPS probably was was entered correctly, but something is not translated from heaven to earth because you've got the
2: wrong house. I am a man with weaknesses. Least of the least, weak. He immediately goes into focusing on his flaws. He immediately turns to his own insecurities. And a lot of times, you know, I I think I do that, right? So, almighty hero, the Lord is with you. Wait a minute, no heroes here. We're talking least of the least, weakest of the weak, bottom of the barrel, runt of the litter. You know, I think that when we start to compare ourselves, you know, it, it really just steals from what God wants to do. We've got to take our eyes off of our weaknesses and put them on Him. The other night, our, even as our, we had a babysitter coming over and, um, and I didn't even realize it. The first thing that came out of my mouth when she walked in the door was, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, my house is like such a mess. It, we've got all this stuff going on. Here's some processed chicken nuggets and a box of mac and cheese, don't judge. Don't, don't tell anyone. Don't, don't tell anyone. You know, we can drive ourselves just crazy comparing how we measure up or, or the choices that we make and, you know, the birthday parties and, you know, all the, all, there's just the, the endless comparison game. I, I think the truth is, is we all struggle with a few self-image issues. And just to be honest, if you would have asked me uh, even a year and a half, two years ago if I would be sitting on this stage, I would say not in a million years. I struggled with anxiety and panic attacks and I would never ever step foot on this stage. But when we can take our eyes off of our own weaknesses and allow God to use us just as we are, weaknesses and all, he can do something incredible. Your weaknesses aren't a liability for God. But actually, often, it's the conduit to which we can see God's strength and his power show up.
1: That's awesome, I almost, again, think of the angel kinda of laughing and going, oh, really, Gideon? So, so, so you're concerned about the family that you were born into and the tribe and the clan. How much did you have to do with that? How, how much did you have to do with where you were born and, and, and what family you were born into? What if that was part of God's design? And what if the weakness that you see as a liability is actually the reason that God wants to use you? Mm -hmm. You know, the Bible says in the New Testament that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. God wants to use us in spite of the things that we wish were different about ourselves. He doesn't wish those things are different about you. He wants to enter into those weaknesses and use us in a powerful way. You know, his answer to Gideon's self-image issues are in Judges 6.16. The Lord says to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. It says, Gideon, you're not factoring in a pretty important factor in this equation, and that's that I'm the one that's, that's leading you into this battle. Mm-hmm. It's a tag team fight, right? And you on your own, or you with your buddies, you're gonna get your butts kicked, because the Midianites are pretty strong. But you and me, we got this. You and me, there's nothing they can do to stop And so finally Gideon kinda comes on board. He's like, okay, okay, I, I'll do this, I'll lead him. And, and he looks around, he's got 32,000 men that are gonna go into battle with him. 32,000, the problem is they're facing an army of 135,000. So, so we're talking about a major disadvantage. But Gideon's like, you know what? If God's called me to this, we're gonna make it happen. So he pulls all the guys to a mountain and he's ready to go, and, and then God stops them just before they're ready to go to battle. And and, and the Lord says to Gideon in Judges seven and verse two, says you have too many warriors with you. Really, God? (laughs) Okay, you created everything, I trust you, but your math is a little off, okay? Because we don't have too many. And God knows no, I I know you guys too well. I know how things work. He says, if I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites are gonna boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Isn't that funny how we wanna face the battles with enough confidence in ourselves that we can win? And God's like, no, no, You'll take credit for something that I did. (laughs) And so God says, here's what I want you to do. Therefore, tell all the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So Gideon gets up and he says, okay, guys, before we go in, if any of you are afraid, uh, you know, just no big deal, You you can go home. And I know Gideon, as a leader, Uh, He's probably got a couple people in mind that he's hoping will go, You know, the people who are gonna be a liability in battle. 22,000 got up and left. I'm like, oh, never mind, never mind. We're all afraid, let's just do this together. 22,000 people go go home. Now there's 10,000 people left. If they weren't afraid before the other 22,000 left, they certainly were now. And God, through this crazy process, is like, no, 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 I'm not even done yet. There's some other things that need to be stripped away. There's some attitudes in the camp that need to go. There's some insecurities that, that you can't take them into battle with you. And he strips the army down, and he strips the army down. And maybe you're in a season right now where you feel like God is stripping some things away, or you look at the odds of of you you know, accomplishing what, what, what you think God wants to do, and it's like, I just don't know that that, that we're there. I don't know what can happen, and just know that that's that, that, that potentially is God at work in you. Because in God's eyes, the perfect number for them to go against 135,000 was 300. Look at this next verse. It says, the Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. With these 300 men, I'm gonna win this battle. Now that you've stripped away the this security blanket, the safety net, the fear, the insecurity, the pride. Now, now I can use that. That broken vessel, that, that, that small group of people, man, I can do a lot with a little. And I won't get into all the details of the story, but God ends up doing one of the most miraculous, incredible things that He's ever done. These 300 people go up to the camp of their enemy, 135,000, and essentially what happens is that the Midianites self-destruct. God causes confusion in their camp. They begin to kill each other. Stampede happens. It's like all of a sudden, they win. 300 people win this incredibly uh, difficult battle, but it's because God was the one fighting for them. And then the story kind of is retold in Judges 8, 28. It says, that's the story of how the people of Israel defeated Midian, which never recovered, Throughout the rest of Gideon's lifetime, about 40 years, there was peace in the land. I,
2: I love the story. just say real quick, the 300 against 135,000. Just get a visual of that. I mean, 300 people would probably be right over here in this section, versus 135,000. Against all odds, against all odds, God did a miracle. So no matter what you are facing right now, right today, whether it's infertility or it's anxiety or whatever it is that you're facing, against all God, all odds, God can do a miracle. He can. Press in, press in and get, a, get some people around you and just start going after God and praying and believe, believe with your whole heart that He can act on your behalf.
1: That's awesome, I love that through one person, who was broken, insecure, but willing to be used. God rescued an entire nation and he brought peace in the land. And maybe you're in a, a family situation right now where you need peace in the home. Maybe you're in a, a work situation right now where you just need peace in the land. You may not see yourself as a hero, but if you're willing, in the midst of your insecurities and your failures, God might wanna use you to point people to the real hero to be used by him. You know, as we close, I wanna share a story with you of a woman in our church, single mom named Andonia, and how God, much like he did with Gideon, helped her overcome some incredible odds and incredible circumstances to be used by him in a powerful way. Would you check out her story?
0: I'm the mother of three beautiful sons, Ryan, Peter, and Adrian. When Adrian was age two, sadly, we lost his father to alcoholism. But the two other boys really stepped up and became surrogate fathers to Adrian. Both Ryan and Peter joined him for Boy Scout outings, got him involved in working out at the gym as he got older. So we carried on, and I was handling things on my own and doing a pretty good job of it as long as I stayed within certain parameters, close budget, very disciplined, However, in 2011, something devastating happened that really shouldn't happen to any mother. My son, Ryan, at age 32, passed away suddenly uh, from a complication with surgery, from an injury he had obtained in the Coast Guard, and it devastated the family completely. Adrian was at a loss, as you can imagine. So my other son, Peter, once again stepped up and came down to live with us here in Mount Pleasant and began to take Adrian to Seacoast. It really, really spoke to Adrian's heart and so the three of us began attending Seacoast regularly. However, within two years, we also lost Peter. He died suddenly in 2013, he was 28, healthy young man, He did have a heart murmur as a child. The devastation just really can't be described. I'm a teacher of Spanish. I teach at five different schools. So when we began to experience car trouble, then it was devastating. We were at the service for Mother's Day a couple of years ago. And the pastor at Seacoast mentioned that they were going to, instead of giving flowers to mothers, they were going to give help to mothers. My son, Adrian, turned to me and said, you need to call them. You need to respond to this. So I followed his advice, and I did fill out the form. I did ask for help. And Seacoast made it possible for me to take this vehicle to a mechanic Turned out to be sort of a miracle worker. It certainly has been more than a simple car repair. I was gifted with the wonderful experience of accepting help graciously. I was empowered with knowing that I can turn and continue to help others. Adrian has realized that God has called him to go into ministry. I've been able to give back through grief counseling to other mothers. And if I can pass on the peace that I've experienced to help them through this, then certainly this is something that I need and want to do. I know now that I can do all things through Him that gives me strength.
1: Wow, what an incredible story. Would you guys help me welcome Andonia to the platform? Thank you so much for sharing your story, and um, you know, uh, I just Think about your story, Andonia, and um, especially as I was looking through the story of Gideon, so many examples of people who stepped up, really as heroes, not that they would be the hero, but they would be the hands and feet of the real hero of Jesus in your life. And you were one of them as you kind of helped your kids, especially Adrian, walk through the loss of the two older brothers. And um, then we had the the mechanic, Peter, your son, uh, who wasn't a mechanic, but Peter, uh, hero, bringing you guys to Seacoast and helping you discover, you know, what you really needed to help walk you through these circumstances, the mechanic that, uh, that uh, you were able to connect with through the body of Christ, which was incredible, got your car working. Um, but your story kind of took on a life of its own uh, this past week. Uh, as some people caught wind of your story, uh, there were a few other heroes uh, that don't want to be named that wanted to continue the story, that didn't feel like it was complete. Because I don't know if you guys caught and... Her story, she goes to five different schools uh, every day, teaches Spanish through art. Uh, You're a hero to these kids, which is so cool and so incredible. But a couple of people in the church, uh, their heart was moved by your story, and uh, they worked out some stuff, Talked to some friends, ultimately connected with a guy up at Somerville, uh, Somerville Hoover Chrysler Dodge, and they wanted to present you with a new car this weekend, a brand new car uh, from some people in the church. So if you're okay with that, I know that you don't love to accept help, but there's a Jeep outside that uh, if you'll accept it, uh, some people in the church would love to get it. Her favorite car, she says. Praise God for that. How cool is that? God bless
2: you. <laughs> can I just
0: say
1: one thing? She wants to talk, what do you think? Should we let her talk?
0: <laughs> if I can because I really need to. Um, I think that I've been given a peace that passeth understanding. God healed the unhealable, and I've got to pass on this message of peace to folks that need this message of peace, which is probably everybody, but certainly people that are grieving, certainly mothers that are grieving. I'm living proof that the promise is real. And what I found was that, and this is true for all of us, The more you're broken open, that's where the light of God is going to shine in the deepest. And if you're broken open and you lose all of yourself, it all leaks out, that's the exact amount of healing that God's going to fill you up with. If that wasn't true, I wouldn't be standing here right now. That's awesome. So I'm very grateful for many things, certainly for this. (laughs) <laughs> well thank you so
1: much Andonia God bless you Isn't that cool such a cool cool story that, that only God could have could have done in fact we've got a car for everybody I'm just kidding we don't, I'm just, I'm just joking. No, that would be that would be awesome but no um, what has happened, though, this week, totally unrelated to Andonia's story, because they didn't know about it, is we had two other individuals that donated vehicles this week. And so, this weekend, a single mother in Somerville received a vehicle, as well as a, uh, a woman up at our Dream Center uh, campus in North Charleston. And, and so, that's kinda cool, isn't it? That God's just kinda stirring generosity. and. And I'll tell you, if you have a vehicle that you wanna donate to the church, you can do that tax deductible, and we'll find someone that needs it. I promise you that, but uh, really, really awesome. And uh, one of the things, since it's the 11.30 service, and, and we've already lost the race to the cafeteria with the Baptists, they're gonna beat you, so just don't worry about it. Um, she was driving a, 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 a uh, what was it? Like a, I don't remember what she was driving, a Grand Marquis, but what, what we had to cut out of the story is literally, the, she'd taken it to two mechanics, who said you, we can't fix this it needs you just need a new car and then the seacoast mechanic not part of a part of our church we actually don't hire mechanics but he was serving on our on our car care team literally had to had to take the battery out of the car had to rip the battery out of the the um, what am i talking about i have no idea i'm not i'm not in the cars <laughs> the frame of the car had to had to take it out and had to weld it back together and so she's been driving this for two years, uh, a car that really wasn't reliable anyways. And so I got a picture of the car that was donated to her, which is pretty cool. It's a brand new Jeep. Um, and uh, it's, it's a five-speed. That was the only thing we were worried about because we, we didn't know. And so we bring her out and we're like, we're so sorry, it's five-speed. you know how to ride and drive? And she was like, I love five-speed cars. So God just worked out so many different, different details of the story. Um, that only he could get glory for it. But, uh, but, but I just wanna encourage you. Uh, I, I love watching people step up. In some ways, the step we need to take is to ask for help like she did a couple years ago. And then there are others of us who are gonna step up and offer help. And then just as we step up, God uses us and all of our flaws to point people to him. That's what it's all about. Would you guys pray with me as we close? God, I thank you so much. For what you're doing in this church, God, I thank you for just providing Ondonia with a vehicle, for showing her, Lord, in just a very unique way, that you see her, that you notice her, and that you love her. I can't help but think about the passage of Scripture in James that says, true religion is that that cares for the orphans and the widows. And I just thank you for the, the folks in this church that stepped up and, and showed her grace and love in a way that only you can, God. But right now, I just pray for everybody in this place and all of our campuses. Lord, especially those who may feel overlooked or feel overwhelmed or, Lord, just feel inadequate for what you've called them to do. And God, we just pray, Lord, that you would take us, these broken vessels, and that you would do something beautiful in it, that you would allow us to be conduits of your grace and of your peace and of your hope, Lord, that you wanna offer the people around us. God, I just pray that you would do the type of thing that only you could get glory for. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.